Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast with author and speaker David Cooks is brought to you by Compassion International. We've been a part of Compassion now for six months, been working with them, partnering with them here on the podcast, and they do great work. And I can't encourage you more to go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. This is your chance to see the kids in need across the world. Your chance to make a difference in a child's life. My wife and my daughter and myself, the Romanos, we sponsor a 13-year-old boy from Haiti. And we are just so thankful and grateful to be able to make a difference in that young boy's life. And you can make that difference as well. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Every child being discipled in the Word of God. Over 150,000 children choosing to follow Christ in the last year alone by you providing these children with the basic necessities of life. Food, educational training, vocational training for the future, an impact on their lives like no other. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum for $38.00. Man, I promise you, you won't regret it. Make a difference in a child's life. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. David Cooks is our guest today on the Sports Spectrum podcast. His new book is titled Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. At the age of 15, David Cooks was in high school, a basketball player, someone who loves sports, and then suddenly his life changed forever. And he experienced a spinal aneurysm, leaving him a T6 paraplegic. Mike Shashevsky, yes, that Mike Shashevsky, Coach K of Duke University, endorsed David's book and says, David's journey from the playgrounds to Cameron Indoor Stadium and beyond is captivating and provides a framework to find a new perspective and to build a life filled with passion and purpose. David spent 25 years in education, including 17 years teaching at his alma mater, Marquette University High School in Milwaukee, and he also worked with Duke during his time in grad school, and that's how he met Coach K and got to form a relationship with him. And listen, the time that he was with Duke from 92 to 94, Duke won two national championships. Now, this obviously isn't David taking all the credit for that, but just being around a team And an organization that's winning like that in the prime of of what many think was Coach K's coaching career is pretty cool. And so David on this podcast shares his story of persevering and overcoming uh, disability and overcoming, you know, this life-changing event that happens at the age of 15. And then what he learned uh, about being around the Duke program and how he's taken that into where he is today in his early 50s, making a difference in people's lives through his new book and through speaking and just, you know, changing the narrative, which is what it says on the back of his book is something that David is passionate about. I think you'll like getting to know David Cooks, author and speaker here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Take a listen. David Cooks, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning and uh, thank you. It's good to talk to you. We're grateful for you taking the time to come on our program today, and let's right, let's just dive right into your story because it is a powerful one. And there's a moment when, when at the age of 15, your life changes forever. But before we get to that moment, take us back to your childhood and what sports meant to you. This is a sports and faith podcast, but where were sports in the childhood, I guess, of David Cooks, and what did sports mean to you as a kid? 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I grew up on the north side in the inner city. And uh, like a lot of inner city kids, I loved basketball. Uh, I played it every day as much as I could. Um, and like all kids, I was hoping to, you know, play for as long as I can and, and uh, for at, at the highest level that I could play. And so um, I started off as a young kid. Uh, I was a point guard. Um, I had a nickname. They called me Gus Williams for those who uh, <laughs> I remember him. I'm, I was a little young, but I do remember Gus. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, he was a really good guy. Uh, the longer I tell the story, the better I became, too. But <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was a, uh, a term of endearment. And so the game was really, really important to me. And it was just one of the things in my life that um, I gave everything to, you know, coming up as a kid. My parents always taught us about giving everything into every into whatever you were doing. And that meant academically, spiritually, basketball wise, et cetera. And so, um, you know, there wasn't a day um, if, it, if it if the weather wasn't too bad outside uh, that, that I was out on the court playing. Was church and you mentioned spiritually, I guess, in the way that you said your parents kind of raised you. Was church and faith a part of that as well as a kid? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a part of our, our life. Um, not immediately. My, my mom and dad both had um, uh, conversion experiences with Jesus Christ uh, when I was probably about 10 years old, I believe. Um, and from there, I, I began to see the transformative power of, of Jesus Christ in their life and the impact it had on how they were living. And uh, what an example it was for me as I later on in life, uh, not much later on in life, uh, gave my life to Christ then. So tell me about that moment for you and where, where it was when when that happened and, and how faith, you know, for you personally, because it's, it's one thing to have your parents' faith, it's another thing to make it your own, right? Oh, and, absolutely. Um, tell me about that. And maybe if that coincides with what happened at age 15, maybe talk about both of those. But, you know, tell me about where your faith became sort of your own. Yeah, I, I was I was 13 years old, okay. um, believe it or not, when I, I got on my knees literally and asked Christ to come into my life and I yielded my life to him. I, I didn't understand necessarily what that meant at the time, um, but I knew that I wanted to spend eternity with him. I didn't want to go to that place they were talking about called hell and stuff. <laughs> sure. uh, you yeah. know, so, um, so my parents' example really um, allowed for me to want to serve the God that they were serving. And um, the one thing my parents always told us was that God only has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. Mm. So we can't, we can't live for you. Our faith is only good for us. We can show you our God, but you have to serve him yourself. And so when I was 13, I, I, uh, I made that commitment. Like I said, not knowing what that meant, um, but I knew something had happened in my life, and I began to study the Word of God and do that kind of stuff. And then at age 15 is when I had a spinal aneurysm. Yeah, and tell us about that. Let's get right into that. I know you're a high school freshman, right? A basketball player, um, life changes forever in many ways. Yeah. So tell us well, about that and what happened. Yeah, actually, I was I was a sophomore in high school. Sophomore, and, okay. Uh, and and uh, I was uh, I went to school. It was, it was October nineteenth of nineteen seventy nine, and I went to school that morning. Uh, we had our midterm exams, our first quarter exams, rather. And um, my back was bothering me a little bit, but I didn't think much of it because I just had gotten the physical uh, a week before and was cleared, and, and I was ready to try out for the freshman basketball team at my high school. Um, by the time uh, I finished the exam, and I played a little bit that day, and I wasn't quite as um, uh, flexible and athletic as I normally would be, 
and I wasn't a great athlete. Let's just put that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I struggled a little bit that day, and, and I went home, and um, in a matter of, you know, 12 to 14 hours, uh, um, I was in the emergency room uh, at St. Michael's Hospital in Milwaukee, and um, uh, five hours later, uh, they discovered that I had a, an aneurysm. I had a blood vessel that erupted on my spine. And um, we did some exploratory surgery, but there was nothing they could do at that point. And uh, that's been 39 years ago this October. Um, and um, it really has been from that moment on, and I tell people this, uh, not, not only have I had a really good life, I've actually had a great life. Um, it's been full of challenges, but it's full of victory along the way. Uh, you can't have victories if you don't have challenges. And so uh, each day has been... Uh, each day has been a journey and each day has been um, full of at least one win a day. And that's kind of um, brings me to where I am in my life right now. Let's go through a little bit uh, of the time and, you know, what you're going through. I mean, you're 15, right? And I have a daughter, she's 14. And just knowing that that sort of mindset, I remember being 15 and a sophomore and just kind of a knucklehead kid, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you have this experience, uh, you know, in many ways, a tragedy in, in some ways, even though you're still here and it's great, but right. you didn't even kind of mention that, you know, when you said there was nothing that they could do, describe what that means, because you're T6 paraplegic, I think is the proper mm -hmm. term. Um, but so the, the, the aneurysm comes in it, and it, I'd never heard of something like that, I guess, in you hear aneurysm and most people think the brain, right? So absolutely. What exactly happened to your back and to the point where it caused you to not be able to, to walk again? Yeah. So it is interesting. Um, you normally hear of aneurysm in the brain and sometime in the stomach. Yeah. Um, what, what occurred to me was there was just a blood vessel on the spinal cord itself and it ended up damaging the spinal cord when it erupted. And so, so, uh, it left you. It left you paralyzed. And um, at age fifteen, someone was asking me actually the other day, like, you know, how did you, how did you handle that at age fifteen? And and as I look back at it, and I and I begin to um, do some research and read articles and stuff that and that were written about me back then, there there was I had such a piece about things that I remember saying, God, you know, you're bigger than this. I've got to give this to you to handle because I, I, I you know, I can't take it. I mean, it's not mine. Um, I can't handle it on my own. And uh, the thing that really changed me was when I was in a rehabilitation center and I began to see that there were so many people in there who would, who were much worse off than I was that had much less ability than I had. And I began to thank God for what I could do and begin to thank him for what I had. Uh, and at that point, I began to understand that I really could handle this and that God was with me and that I was going to be okay. Um, uh, and to this day, I still believe that I'm going to be okay and that I am okay. Um, and, and that really, that, that moment of perspective really changed my life. That's amazing. And especially being 15 and, and understanding uh, you know, the faith aspect of it, I guess. I know you said you, you came to Christ at 13, but again, very young. Um, so faith was a big part of how you were able to, I don't even know if the word is just dealing with what happened or coping with what happened, but was uh, faith was huge, I guess, I would imagine, in something, uh, in, in, in dealing with something like that. Absolutely. You know, I, I tell people that I believe that the greatest gift God has ever given to man is the ability to believe. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because what you believe will impact how you live and how you handle whatever life throws your way. And at a very young age, I believe in the miraculous. I believe in God's ability to sustain you and God's ability to, to help you to get through. Uh, that's the one thing I knew and I had seen um, with my own eyes and with my through my dad's um, work sometimes at prisons and all those types of things. So it wasn't it wasn't hard for me to believe. It wasn't hard for me to have hope. Um, you know, the scripture talks about how how Abraham believed when there was no hope. Yeah. And I understand what that meant at that point. Um, now, let's let's just make it perfectly clear. Um, walking is much better. So let's just throw that out there. It's a much better life. Um, but in the meantime, because I always talk about in the meantime, because God is not finished with me yet. Right. Um, I, I still need to live and I still need to excel. And your, your relationship with God doesn't change. Um, what I did ask God was, in the midst of my circumstance, if you're not going to change it, change me in it so I know how to give you glory out of it. And that's what he's done. I mean, it's been amazing to me where he's taken me um, in my life. Um, it's, it, it truly is an, a remarkable story. We're talking to David Cooks here, author and speaker. His new book's called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. And he joins us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. David, what was it like just adjusting to this new life? Just going back to school, I guess, you know, not being able to play basketball. You said that was your sport. What was it like just adjusting to this new life without being able to walk? It was um, it was an interesting adjustment because I didn't know any better that I was different, so to speak. Mm. Um, I was just excited to get back to school. I was 15 years old. I was just starting to like girls, you know, all that stuff. So that was what was on my 15-year-old mind. And then I had some, I had four or five really good friends in high school that helped me get to games, uh, do the things I needed to do, drive me back and forth, all of those things. And it was an eclectic group of guys, um, unbelievers, believers, guys that had uh, substance abuse issues. I mean, these guys became my my friends, and they helped support me um, and helped me to to kind of re-enter into school and, and get back and get back on the horse, so to speak. And 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 this book really was about thanking all the people along the way who helped me become who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, it's a two-way street. You know, people talk about that I've impacted their lives, but a lot of people have impacted my lives. And and God has placed people in my life to help me. And I accepted that help to get through. And that's really how the transition was really kind of seamless. Um, it, it was a smooth transition. I, I had to deal with the daily nuances and struggles of being in a wheelchair, of getting undressed uh, and getting dressed again and all those types of things. Sure. Uh, but it was actually not too bad. Tell us about as your life, you know, is changed and you grow up and you start maturing into adulthood and thinking about college and and after that. Tell me about the, I guess, the inability to walk. How that affected your life choices and I and, there, and obviously there's there's things that you can't do because you you couldn't walk. But how did, did that affect your life choices at all, or was it like I'm going to still do the things that I dream about and wanted to do? Well, it, it was a, probably a combination of both. Um, 
one of, one of the things I talk about in the book is that obstacles don't define you, but they redirect you. And they also, they may slow you down, but they don't keep you from getting to your destiny. Mm-hmm. And so my love for the game and my passion for basketball didn't change. What changed for me was how I was going to be a part of the game. And that's how I got involved in coaching. I did play wheelchair basketball in college and did some things with that. Um, and I was able to pursue my goal of the game, of being involved in the game. I just had to go about it in a different way. Um, and that's what happens when you aren't using your legs. You get dressed differently. Um, you get in and out of the car differently. You take a shower differently. So you're doing many of the same things that everybody else does. You just have to do them a little differently. And so for me, I, I was just so excited um, when I was asked to join the Vic Tanny Warriors back in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, which was an AAU program here in Wisconsin. And we had some of the top players in the country, uh, Damon Key and Jim McLevane and Silas Mills, Calvin Rayford. I mean, just some of the best to ever play here. Yeah. And they won a national championship in the summer. I was asked to help with those guys. And that was the beginning for me of an unbelievable uh, career in coaching and it allowed for me just to continue to to be a part of what I loved. And my passion for the game never died um, when I lost the use of my legs. Neither did my passion for wanting to impact the lives of other people. That's great. Now, I, I know in the book, when I look at the back of the book, there's really, you know, there's endorsements in so many different books, right? And, and a lot of people saying things. But I'm just going to read this endorsement. And, and then when I say the name, everybody's going to know who it is. It says, David's journey from the playgrounds of Milwaukee to Cameron Indoor Stadium and beyond is captivating and provides a framework to find a new perspective and to build a life filled with passion and purpose. Getting undressed is inspiring and proof that you can win in life regardless of the circumstances. And the person who wrote that for you, David, is Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach at Duke University. So tell me about the connection with Coach K and how you came about just forming a relationship with him. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to um, meet Coach K in 1991. I was at Duke University to get my master's degree um, in business. And, um, you know, one of the one of the I tell the story in the book that I had opportunities to go to a number of schools and I wanted to make sure I went to a school that had a pretty good basketball program. Well, uh, <laughs> well, 1991, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they won the national championship, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, I think I, I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, <laughs> but, but I knew that that would be a pretty good choice. So I remember um, there are a number of names that are familiar to people at the time. And, you know, Jay Billis was there and he was the, the grad assistant. Sure. And Tommy, Tommy Amaker was one of the assistant coaches along, along with Mike Bray. We're both head coaches now. Yeah. And I was able to connect with, uh, with, with Tommy Amaker uh, one day. He was leaving the business school to go full-time and, co- and, and coach with Coach K. And I was talking to him, and I said, hey, I would love to have an opportunity just to help and, and serve you guys. I'm from Wisconsin. And he asked me for if I had any information he could give the coach. And I had something that I, that I could give him. And um, the thing that, that also helped trigger this was there was a player named Tony Lang. And I went into the office a couple of times to see if I could meet with Coach K. Uh, he wasn't there. Um, I, I thought they were just blowing me off, but he really wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tony Lang was sitting there, and he was a player. And he said, hey, aren't you the guy from Wisconsin? And I, I'm i like, well, I think so. Uh, but I wasn't sure how you would know that. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, um, in St. Petersburg, Florida, I was with that AAU program from Wisconsin. And Tony was down there, and, and he saw us playing. And he said to me, man, I love the way you interact with your players. Are you here to help us? 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bingo, there it is. Yep. So this is said right in the office in front of everybody. And eventually um, I got a chance to meet Coach K. Uh, he had me uh, fill up water bottles and uh, uh, wash laundry to get started. Um, the graduate assistant position was terminated after Jay Billis finished finished it up. And uh, the rest has kind of been history. You know, I did a couple years there with him. And obviously that helped um, uh, was a springboard for me to do some other things. So my relationship with him is a great one. I was honored that he would be willing to, to support the book and, and to provide the testimonial that he, that he has. I was I, I, a really quick story. I was yeah. just um, at, at Grant Hill's Hall of Fame induction um, a week ago or whenever that was. Yeah. And, uh, and Tony Lang was there. And I hadn't seen Tony uh, since I left Duke in 1993. And it was such a great time to have a reunion with him and, and Grant and, and, and just a great opportunity. And those are the things I talk about that, you know, I can't I can't make up these stories and I can't make up the places that I've been. But God has really uh, strategically put me in the places that I've been. And I'm, and I'm just honored and grateful uh, to him for doing that. That's awesome. We're going to talk about kind of where that's taken you to now in a second. But I got to dive in a little bit on the Duke time, the time that you were there, especially if you said it was 91 when you got there and 93 when you left. Again, this is my sort of sports nerd in me. They won titles in 91 and 92, and that's the Christian Leitner years and Bobby Hurley. And you mentioned yes. Grant Hill and Tony Lang and guys that were there, Cherokee Parks. I mean, these are guys mm-hmm. that were really, really amazing players and in many ways like Grant, Hall of Fame players. And Coach K, who's the Hall of Fame of all Hall of Fames, as Grant Hill called him at his Hall of Fame speech, he called him the GOAT, which yeah. I thought was really great. So tell me what you learned just being around that sort of atmosphere and culture of winning, especially that time in 91, 92, when Duke had gone to the Final Four many years, but I think that was the first time, that was their first title uh, or titles run. So tell me about just being around the team and the culture at that time, especially to p- compared to where they are now, obviously, in the legendary franchise and, and program that they have. But tell me about being around and kind of what you learned uh, during that time. Man, let me tell you, that that was <laughs> – it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was it was so exciting and so much fun. You're right. I mean, it was the, the Leighton Hurley Hill crew. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that I learned, I learned a lot um, about preparation. I've learned a lot about standards. I learned a lot about excellence um, and the work that it takes to be the best um, and how you can't compromise on on things. Uh, that was amazing to me to watch and learn um, what it took. The thing that I think I gathered the most, though, um, especially from Coach K, was how to love people and how to love your players. Hmm. The one thing that I think he has that all the greats have, but he has a special knack at it, is people skills and the ability to know how to hit each player's button. And, you know, that takes a lot of time and effort to build a personal relationship with each one of your players to the point that you can know how to motivate and how to inspire and how and and how not to to go over the edge, if you know what I mean, um, with them. That was to me um, so invaluable. Uh, The games themselves. Are you serious? Uh, (laughs) Dean Smith and. Pete Gillen and all that. I mean, it was crap. It, it was the ACC. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. like those games were out of control. 
you would go there. And I had never been to Cameron, you know, and, and people say, well, how did you get to meet coach? I said, you know something? I, I didn't have anything to lose. I didn't right. have anything to lose. If he said, no, I'm still getting my MBA. Yeah. I'm still going to go to school. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I felt I had a little bit to offer. And so, man, you talk about um, winning at that level and not making excuses and the amount of, I talk to guys all the time and they, they all want to make the league. And I'm like, well, have you put in a thousand shots today? You know, mm-hmm. how, how much time are you putting in the gym today? Yeah. Um, you just learn about that. And uh, I, that, to me, was, was two of the most incredible years of my life. Uh, I wish I had taken more pictures uh, <laughs> because it's a lot easier to do that now than it was back then. But um, I still um, talk with a number of those guys. And, you know, Bobby's a coach out of Arizona State. And uh, they're, they're still just nice to me and treat me just like I'm family. So. That's that's what that experience was like. A couple more questions here with David Cooks, author and speaker. And the new book, again, is called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose, available everywhere books are sold right now. I want to talk about just everything that transpires after Duke. You, you go into coaching and education and teaching as well. Um, so you're still involved in sports for many, many years, uh, coaching both uh, high school basketball. I read that you were coaching some college. Tell me about sort of – I guess the Cliff Notes version of the last 25 years since leaving Duke and what you've been able to do and uh, be a part of. Yeah, well, over the last 25 years after leaving Duke, I uh, went to the Northeast. I did some corporate work uh, for about as long as I could take it, and then I had to leave that because (laughs) that wasn't where my heart was. Uh, I coached at a small school in the Northeast in Darien, Connecticut, and was uh, in in a conference that was unbelievable with Vito Montello and some of the great coaches uh, in the Northeast. And um, I was able to also establish some AAU programs and be on the staff of Eastern Invitational, which is now Hoop Group, um, with those guys. And so I was able to coach and and learn a lot. And I moved back to Wisconsin in 1999 um, and became the head coach at my alma mater, Marquette High School here in 2003. And I was there uh, as a coach for 14 years, had a lot of success um, took us to the first state tournament run that we've had since we combined the private and public schools. Um, ended up actually getting fired, um, which was uh, I'd never been fired before. Mm. That was cra- that was crazy. Yeah. Um, I was an economics teacher there, and and um, was told that we want to go in another direction. And so my question is, where are we going? Because I was going with you. Um, well, that wasn't what they were talking about. So. You know, I had to learn how to reflect, regroup, and relaunch after that. And fortunately for me, um, I was able to to um, join Concordia University here in Wisconsin, which is Division Three school as an assistant coach, uh, and continue my coaching there. Um, along the way, after that, I was so fortunate. There's a guy named, there's a young man, he's he's a, a dad now. Um, his name is Guy Raincourt, and he's the uh, head coach, I think, now at uh, Western Connecticut. Um, but at the time he was at like, like homing in Pennsylvania guy was a young man. I helped get into the business years and years ago. And he began to take, um, college guys over to Europe and it was called East coast basketball and USA basketball actually, um, took them under their umbrella. And so in 2014, I was so fortunate. Um, he said he wanted me to go with them, uh, over to Europe. And it was Frank Martin of South Carolina fame and myself and guy, and we um, took a bunch of players over to Estonia and Finland and were able to uh, represent the United States there. That was 
you talk about uh, an experience that I will never, ever forget. Um, and to start as a kid on the playgrounds in Milwaukee, um, to have what happened to me happen, to get to Duke, to be a head coach at my alma mater, get to the state tournament, uh, go overseas, and coach college basketball again. You know, man, I, I, when I said my life has been great, I mean, I, I've had a really good life. Um, and that's kind of where I am now. And uh, with the book out and all that, I'll probably uh, take a reprieve from, from this upcoming season as I've got to try to do the book tour thing and all of that um, and, and see where it takes me now. So tell me about why now write that book. Because you said, I mean, the purpose was to do a lot of it was to thank the people who made such a difference in your life. But, you know, obviously, I, I wrote my first book recently, too. And I get that question a lot. And I often want to just I'm just curious, uh, you know, why write the book right now? What was your motivating factor and kind of how it came together? Um, I, I left um, I left my uh, teaching position a couple of years back. And uh, I felt my assignment was up there and I was talking to my wife about it and, and she was in agreement with me. I didn't know what I was supposed to do next, but I remember, remember telling my students, I'm, I'm going to write a book. I think that's what I'm supposed to do next. And um, I kind of played around with that until December of 2006, uh, 2016, rather. I'm sorry. It was December 6, 2016. Hmm. I was flying out to Boston to give a speech at the Colonnade Hotel to some banking executives and uh, I ended up uh, needing oxygen on the flight there, and they took me immediately to Massachusetts General Hospital, and I had massive blood clots in my lungs. And as I stayed in that hospital in the ER, I remember telling God, I said, you know, I, I, I asked him to honor the life that I've lived for him and just get me back home. And as they began to treat me, I was talking to the doctors, and they were asking what I did and all that kind of stuff. And one of the doctors said to me, you know, when are you going to write your book? Hmm. And I'm like, what did he say to me? Uh, <laughs> what did, well, when are you going to write your book? And I'm like, you know, I need to do that. I've been meaning to. And another doctor came and was talking to me about writing a book. And I'm like, OK, I need to get this book done now. And so I got home and got back on my feet, uh, finished that season as an assistant coach up at Concordia. And I started writing the book. And the book really... And it, let's just let's just put this out there, too. I, I don't like to read or write. So <laughs> for for me, this was more than a challenge. This was this was a, a move of faith and obedience because I really felt it was something I was supposed to do. And uh, I tell you what, when I finished writing this book, um, there was a sense of accomplishment, a sense of um, fulfillment that I hadn't experienced in some of the other things I've done. And I've done some great things in my life. And been fortunate to do some great things. Um, but this was special. And it's a book that um, is written and designed to hopefully touch people where they are and provide them with hope. We live, we live in a, such a time where everybody's angry and mad at each other. Um, I, I want them to know they can make it and that there, there is hope. And you can, you can overcome things. And you don't have to quit. And you don't have to stop. And that's really... Um, a lot of the message in the book, I was just speaking to some CEOs uh, earlier this week, and uh, some of them were concerned about, you know, let's not talk about faith too much. And I said, um, <laughs> I've been there and done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, I said, look, this book is my story and faith is the foundation of my story. Uh, I categorize this book. It's not a faith based book, but it is a book filled with faith. 
And I think people can relate to the reality of it and the realness of it. And, and, um, uh, the, the title of the book, if, if you let me just qu- quickly talk about that, yeah, of course. Get, getting undressed. Um, obviously it's a catchy title yeah. <laughs> and it's the biggest thing you see on, <laughs> on the right. front of the cover. Yeah. Um, but it was an experience that I had in the rehabilitation center when, um, they, they, they teach you how to do a lot of things over because you have to learn how to, you know, get out of bed, get out of the chair, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there was, I was sitting there one night, And uh, I remember that day they taught me how to get dressed and I was in my room and I was sitting there and there was an emergency and no one was was there to help me get in the bed. And I was like, if I want to go home, I need to teach myself how to get undressed. Mm. And that became for me, as I start to think about things that everybody goes through, everybody gets undressed at least once a day and getting undressed for me represented an ending of something and the beginning of something else. You know, what you take off represents where you've been and what you put on is an indication of where you're going. And so we all get undressed and it doesn't have to be such an uncomfortable thing, but it can be a new beginning. And and I think the book talks about a lot of leveraging endings into beginnings and, and how to take what you have and make it work. It's really good. He is David Cooks, author of the book, again, called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. The cover is actually a picture of a, of a wheelchair with the clothes hanging on it and a basketball. It's really, uh, you know, it's definitely from a guy who wrote a book. I can appreciate all of that, you know, not just writing it, but like the design and what's the cover look like and what's the title going to be. And now speaking, tell people how they can get in touch with you, especially if they're interested in having you come and share Uh, your story and encouragement with others. Tell us about how we can stay in touch with you, David. Fantastic. I have a uh, website. It's davidcooksspeaks.com. You can can reach me there, and all my contact information is on there as well. So davidcooksspeaks.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Awesome. David, this has been great catching up with you, hearing your journey. Last question that we asked to so many of our guests here on the podcast, and I'll, uh, I'll ask it to you. What have you been learning in this season of life where God has you now? It's been 25 years since Duke and, and, and many more years since your injury at age 15 and, and the paralysis and the spinal aneurysm. Tell me what you're learning today in this season of life from the Lord. What's he been teaching you? You know, I, I think he's been teaching me to trust him. And in this process of writing the book and trying to get out and speak, I thought I knew who I was going to rely on to help make these things happen. Mm. Well, God has his own plan. <laughs> and, and so I laugh because it's true, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is so true. Yeah. And the one thing I have learned in this process and where I am in my life is I need to trust him. I need to keep moving forward now. You know, I can't sit and not try to do things, but allow for him to make my way clear and make my path clear. And that has not been, sometimes that's troubling because the phone isn't ringing and people aren't calling and the people you thought would be in your corner aren't there. But God says he will never leave you or forsake you in that you're his workmanship and he's created works for you to do before the foundation of the earth. And I'm so excited that I'm walking in them right now. And that's what he's teaching me is just to trust him and that he's got this because the success of my life and the success of this book is in his hand is not in mine. 
And uh, that's where that's what I'm learning right now. DavidCooksSpeaks.com is the website. The book is Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. Go get yourself a copy of it. And uh, listen, just been great to get to know you, David. Thanks for sharing your journey, your story with us on the podcast. And we'll hopefully catch up with you again sometime soon. Best wishes. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It was great to have David Cooks, author of the book Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose, Joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast, inspirational story, and one that I think can help a lot of people. David's a great guy. We probably spent 15 minutes once we hit stop on the recording button here, uh, just talking some more and just kind of walking through each other's journeys and encouraging each other. So really like getting to know David. Can't recommend his book enough. It's called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. And it's at the bottom of the book, I like what it says. It says, your ability to endure is always greater than your willingness to endure. And so check that out. That's David Cooks. Uh, and his book, his website, I should mention, is davidcooksspeaks.com. davidcooksspeaks.com. Check it out. Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose is the name of the book. Thanks to David for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. We also thank you for listening. Take a screenshot of this podcast if you enjoyed it. Share it on your social media pages. Let people know, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe even your YouTube channel or Snapchat, whatever you're using, take a screenshot and let people know about the intersection of sports and faith and the stories found here at Sports Spectrum. We also want to thank our sponsors, Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. It's $38 a month, and your sponsorship provides access to school, medical care, food, vocational training, and the opportunity to know Jesus. I mean, just a powerful, powerful opportunity here for you to make a difference in a child's life. Not just making a difference, making an eternal impact on a child's life. That's what's happening with over 1.8 million children around the world as a part of Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com. Listen, again, $38 a month. You sponsor a child and make a difference. It's the best $38 you'll spend every single month. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Sponsor a child today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Remember, all of our content can be found at sportspectrum.com. Check it out. Daily devotionals there, including this podcast, as well as all sorts of articles on the intersection of sports and faith, and your chance to subscribe to our Sports Spectrum magazine at an unbelievable rate right now, just $18. Go to sportspectrum.com, get our magazine, and check out all the stories on the intersection of sports and faith. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.